0: Hi and welcome to Sound Thinking. I'm Marty Duda, and today I have with me Andrew Jenkin, Graham Reed, and Veronica Bell. It's Veronica's first time with us. You also are Biket. So say hi to everybody, Veronica.
1: Kiora Tifano, how's it going?
0: <laughs> All good. So we got four new albums to cover. They are Wall of Eyes by uh, the radio offshoot The Smile. We have the seventh album by Sarah Gerose. It's titled Polaroid Lovers. We've got a new one from New Model Army, that's Unbroken, and a Kiwi band called Admiral Drowsy, which uh, is going to be reviewed by Mr. Graham Reed. Graham, are you ready to give us the lowdown? What do you think of this industrial oh, consistency?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, let's be honest. Admiral Drowsy, I think, is a bloody awful name. I mean, it doesn't done this any confidence at all um so i will refer i'll just refer to him as well his name is uh, luke redfern scott so i'll just refer to him throughout uh it, it's basically a solo project between what well, yeah it's a solo project because he gets sort of plays lots of instruments uh, but ryan chin is also the co-producer and he's on um, percussion drums Um, This is the second album uh, under the name of Admiral Drowsy. Uh, The first one came to me uh, probably two years ago, and it was so totally unexpected. Um, And so I just want to preface my remarks about this with something that I often think about, and that's this, that um, there are a lot of artists out there who are kind of in rock culture, but not of it. You know, and by that I mean, if you think about people like, let's take the big names: Marianne Faithful, Björk, Leonard Cohen, Brian Eno. You know, those, those people are written up in a rock context, yeah. and yet they're not really rock artists at all. They're not of rock culture. Um, and it, when I'm using this word rock, I'm using it in that very, very loose definition of something which is, you know, a, a music loosely descended from, let's say, you know, Black American idioms like. Blues, rhythm and blues, folk, jazz, whatever—you um, know—that's a whole thread that runs through, and you know, the numerous offshoots of rock. Um, so you know, people like um, Luke Scott, who comes from Littleton, very much in that kind of you know rock culture, because we're talking about him here. Uh, and yet, for my money, he's got very little to do with it at all. Um, He—he's more. He's more along the lines of a, I don't even want to say old folk because that kind of puts him in that other category as well, um, but but he is he's um, from Britain originally, as I understand it. Uh, I have to be honest, I've never spoken to him. I've only ever heard the two albums, um, but you know the the first album that came my way, which was twenty twenty one, was called uh, The Gutter Boy Speculates, and I thought well. You know, neither the album title uh, nor his nonde disk as we say, uh, is particularly appealing. But and and it came my way. He had sent me an email saying he'd like to send me this album, and I forgot all about it. Um, and you know, sure enough, this thing turned up, and I thought, oh well, I'll have a go. And it came in an interesting collage cover, and I was just really taken with it because it. It's kind of influenced by folk music, uh, but it's it's very much to the left of that even, um, and with synthesizers and home recording, you know, you're just hearing uh, a different kind of voice. And there was this a couple little kind of weird soundtracky pieces as well. So when this second album came along, I thought, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to hear what this guy's come up with this time and and this new album called industrial consistency really is a step up uh, and one of the tracks and that's one that i'll talk about later on uh features mott you know so some people would would know her from what was it um cold an album cold and something from two years ago oh unbelievable album she's the violin player um and you know she worked with dimmer and people like that Uh, but i'll get back to her in a moment because i just thought seduce you in a little bit as it were with some of the more sort of folksy things he's here on electric and acoustic guitars got analog synths and vocals and he just creates these self-contained little worlds so the first piece i'd like to start off with and just sort of easy into this album is called uh, echoes in the heart So that was Echoes in the Heart from the album uh, Industrial Consistency. Um, it's by, uh, well, he goes under the name of Admiral Drowsy, but it's Luke Scott from, from Littleton. This album is recorded in you know, various places all, you know, all around the South Island. Um, but there's this kind of weird consistency, even though it's all a bit you know unusual. But uh, pieces like Echoes in the Heart, and there's another one called Old Rope, there's this kind of dream folk quality about them uh this album isn't quite a game of two halves it's, it comes in vinyl on a rather striking industrial cover um of a huge crane and I don't know what it is, but when I've travelled the world and seen huge cranes, I've taken photographs of them too um, because there's something, you know, enormous and powerful about those things, um, which is a complete antithesis of what's on this album, but there it is, you know. But you look at the cover and you go, wow, you know, it could be a metal album. Um, Anyway, it isn't quite a game of two halves, but, on the second side, there's this medieval sounding piece called Prophets and Peasants. Um, and it's it's got a drone sort of almost choral quality at one point. And what, what I take to be a car alarm, you know, one of those, not the really annoying car alarms, but one of those sort of low hum car alarms, um, which seems to fit in perfectly, but After that, we get into this world of much more straight-ahead pop music, Uh, and there's a couple of tracks that follow that. One's called Slumber, and the other one's called Pinnacle. Uh, And to me, when I hear Pinnacle, I think, you know, if, if Sid Barrett hadn't done all the drugs, had survived, straightened himself up, and read some literature, it might sound a bit like this if he'd gone back to school a little bit. Um, so i just like to play this because this is a kind of literate sort of uh, folk pop thing uh, by Admiral Drowsy. So this is just called Pinnacle. Okay, so that's, you know, that's another track from, from this um, album, Industrial Consistency, by, um, well, I keep, I keep saying his not Admiral Drowsy, which I don't really like saying, but it's Luke Scott, anyway, from the South Island. Um, the album, that, those, that track there was from the second side, and the second side is if you want, you know, if you want that easy entry point, start with track two, second side, and you'll find your way in. But if you start with the first side, uh, there's this really gentle uh, opening track called River Hymn, which is just him on electric guitar. And again, it's that sort of folksy thing. But it's what happens after that. Uh, and there's this, I think, fantastic track called The Great Repeat. Uh, and it's uh, about eight, eight and a half minutes long. Starts off very, very quietly. And it's, it's very much in the world of disembodied sound. Uh, and uh, layers of sound coming in and out. Um, it's atmospheric, you know, ambient, as we might say. There's whispered words. Uh, there seems to be something from a dictaphone, uh, and the, one of the chief features is this um, violin. And it's a really, you know, I, I always find this a beautifully scraping sound by Anita Clark. Um, and I mentioned her right at the start because, uh, as Mott, she delivered that I think amazing album called Cold and Liquid. Uh, in 2020, I consider that one of the essential albums of of that year. Um, and you know, my suggestion is that that at this point, Scott and Clark are kind of these fellow travellers in this world of disembodied sound, and it it takes you into this sort of area where. You're not quite sure what what it is. Is this sort of atmospheric music for a film that hasn't been made. It's just pure sound that exists in and of its own right. Um, And then the saxophone enters a guy called Ruben Derrick, whom I have to be honest, I don't know. Um, And he enters with a kind of melody line, and then it just pushes and pushes. And towards the end, it's almost like this free music, not free jazz, but free music, cacophony um, and I think it's one of the, the a stunning piece of work and it's not alone on the album because there are a couple of other little pieces that you know hint at that but here it is in its entirety this eight and a half minute whatever it is piece uh, and so we just have a little of that we pick it up uh, about a, two or three minutes into it um, this is The Great Repeat by Admiral Drowsy from the album Industrial Consistency.
3: Great repeat kind of stood out on its own. It was like a tape being rewound, repeat, certainly samplings and horns of traffic. I, At nearly nine minutes long, this isn't something that I'd listen to, you know, 24-7. But that's the scratchy violins and atmospheric building of tension was really similar to the soundtrack you get when they're building tension in a horror film. And I found that quite interesting—the atonal, discordant, you know, sound of bees dying in a hive stuff that you get when when you have kind of on on, on so like a montage of images in a on a horror film. Um, but yeah, that, there, it did feel a bit like someone had taken a whole lot of drugs and decided to mess about with their with their DJ kit to some degree. But there was also this, you know, slumber it had this romantic, wistful feel. And, they're like they're playing around with sound, you know. There's it's like trance, but in slow motion, is what I thought overall.
2: But Veronica, you, you didn't like you didn't like this album much. You're you're allowed not to like it.
1: I I like all sorts of music. I feel like it's it's difficult for me to say. Like I, I genuinely listen to everything from opera to death metal. So it's it's yeah. very rare that I don't like something. Um, yeah. But it was it's not necessarily something that I'm gonna go back and listen to um not no, because no. i don't think it's good music it's great music it's just not my what yeah. i would go reach for you know
2: absolutely yep. i get that fair not enough completely yep yeah
0: yeah yeah and, and i was surprised i heard the track the opening track river Hymn," and then another one there's called called on and i thought it was very much Radioheady, Tom Yorkie, the smiley, which is what I'm in the middle of reviewing as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting that there was that mm. kind of connection there going on. Did you hear any of that? or Yeah, you
2: know, I, I, I get it. what you mean by that. Yeah, Veronica, yeah. did you sort of get that from it or not?
1: Yes. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm familiar with Radiohead. I can definitely see that comparison there. Um, but it, to be honest, it kind of gave me a little bit of you know how Dunedin rock has its own like genre in a way it kind of gave me a little bit of that um which would make sense so you, you said they're from Littleton right yeah Yeah, okay well that would make sense right so i mean i know it's canterbury (laughs) it's not otago but i you know i lived in dunedin for seven years so a lot of this dunedin rock has kind of like dispersed itself out so i did hear a lot of that it was sort of something that you'd hear on you know radio 191 fm you know top 10 kind of thing so definitely a vibe um right my partner would love it i'll tell you what he's a rock man he would love it i'll go go. pawn it off to him
0: Alrighty, thanks Graham. Now we move on to Andra, who's got a new album by an old band who's called New Model Army. And the uh, new album is called Unbroken. What do you think, Andra? What do you
3: got for us? Yeah, the the New Model Army started in 1980, so they've got um, a four decade existence there and quite a fair few permutations across that with only Justin Sullivan being the founding member who's still a part of it. They've been accused of having all sorts of different genres, um, but Unbroken has this firmly rock feel. Um, The lauded lyrics of Justin Sullivan do earn their reputation. I found them really interesting. Things like we filled out pockets with good fortune, you know, some good metaphors. The First Summer After is the first track, starting simply with rapid guitar notes and reverb rock vocals. Um, it's kind of got pared down verses and heavy drums after the drop, which is is a common denominator on on quite a few of the tracks. Uh, I think it's worth worth listening to first summer after actually.
4: It was the first summer after. I'm dressed like pirates, just happy to be there, among the ghosts of empire, the legends of the war, it was the first summer laughter.
3: English all male quartet from West Yorkshire perform a beat you can tap your feet to. I can detect influences of U2 and Billy Bragg. It's the kind of album you'd expect to have political lyrics and an origin story that involves maybe protest. I have, a, you know, the first summer after I found that quite an all rounder of a rock song, but despite being over four minutes long, it had a really abrupt ending. Uh, I even checked my ticket at one stage. I was quite surprised at that, but that wasn't the case with the rest. You know, they've accused of even being folk at some point, but this is not that album. You know, there's there's, there's kind of a tribal feel to the drums throughout. Um, language, for instance, it's kind of passionate and urgent. Um, the political song I was expecting is delivered in the form of Reload. It's spoken word or rather shouted word over simple 4 4 rock beat. It's got a bit of distorted guitar and heavier bass as you'd expect in rock, uh, but it's got like folk lyrics, so it's kind of folk lyrics partying with a rock backing and the vocals go from growling to spoken like a fast rasping, tending towards manic and back to the basic rock beat for the chorus
4: If I have to see another fucking Indian Jack Flying on the orders of the government I'm gonna be sick The favourite colours of the ears Of the slavers Taking everything and the station hit away In a pretty little Caribbean island
3: Uh, I don't want to go through every track, um, but there is some worth noticing. "I Did Nothing Wrong" has kind of staccato vocals and and the folk feel creeps in. Um, it's kind of a ballad for office workers and company men, as as they as they say. And there's an apt repetition that kind of drives home the boredom of the creative stuck in a dead-end job for a crust. So I think it's worth listening to that because it is kind of differentiated on the album. I did nothing wrong.
4: Machines do not lie. Machines cannot lie. The company man arrived. Business see some poker faces. I offered what I could. But I am under suspicion. Be. Somebody knows what's going on, somebody isn't saying.
0: The strategies of money multiply with this pain. I had everything decided higher up the chain. And, the and apparently that's about the UK post office, post office scandal. Post There's some some kind of TV drama called Mr. Bates versus the post office that was on, on January 1st last year on tv and that got everybody all fired up about it
3: yeah i mean i i'm I'm not surprised that they're they're using topical um news stories throughout because they they do seem to have like that protest or rock feel that's you know against the man or authority um cold wind at five minutes and 27 seconds i thought better blow me some good and um, because this the Spartan guitar and rasping rock vocals combo is really familiar at that point. The song's kind of anthemic and firmly in the rock genre. I've got like throughout the musicians are really skilled productions, clean and precise. It feels like there's a little bit missing, like there's kind of it's just like I've sort of it, it's it's not formulaic, but it's getting close. Like it's it's something that they've they've kind of done before and, and and I'm not getting kind of the energy or vibrancy that you'd get if something was perhaps less clean and precise. But, but I do like the album. Like, Coming or Going is kind of almost reminiscent of Offspring, and there's more energy and passion there. You know, it's danceable. You've got driving drum, drum drums, surging bass, and there's, like, distorted building buzz on Coming or Going that makes the track really danceable. Um, so, the, you know, the, the common themes throughout it would be a rocker going back to his roots, you know, the the surviving of of someone throughout, you know, they, they didn't make it as big as they could have, and they seem to be creeping up the charts even now. I, I'd say that, you know, they've got a, a, a hardcore following that will know them well after 40 years, but, but there is some... Some odd things on the album, like "Legend," which is a as a song doesn't quite know what it is. You know, there's a chant, there's a rock song. Is it a spoken word poem to music? Like, their their genre can be a bit all over the place. But for the most part, this is this is a solid rock album.
2: I remember once uh, in Cream magazine, some somebody wrote that heavy metal uh, is music for young men who don't have a war of their own. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, and you know when I, when I listen to this New Model Army, that I don't know why that just that just came to mind. I mean, you you know New Model Army, you yep, know, yep. Oliver Cromwell, and you know the, the, this is a song about uh, this is an album I think sort of bellicose and you know the war is never ending kind of thing, um, uh, you know. It, it's sort of almost relentless heroicism, just kind of wound me ground me down in a way. Yes, you know, even the Clash couldn't keep that one up, you know, they <laughs> headed off to reggae and all sorts of other things. Um, and then we're, I, I know this is just pathetic to say, but you know, the percussion parts every now and again, uh, I don't know, uh, it's if I'm still me, uh, Adam and the Ants just came to mind oh, yeah. straight away. <laughs> <laughs> That's where these guys came from, yep, yep, um, same era. Well, well, you know, and and I just immediately thought of all those albums like you know, Big Country, Ruts, Skids, yep, you know, all those albums that came out in the 80s, which were all very similar in that regard. And New Model Army have well, they've stayed there, haven't they? They just sort of, yeah, yeah, keep yeah. Bringing up. Well, the
0: main guy, oh, Joe Sullivan, I he's the guy who's been the consistent. Yeah. yeah, and like I, I did an interview with him, and you can, and he he's loving what he's doing. He's been doing the same thing. The band, as it is, has been together for a while now. But yeah, you're absolutely right. He he he's got something to say, and he's going to say it. And he, the New Model mm-hmm. Army is not a an accidental name. He's definitely fighting the good fight, uh, isn't he?
2: he you know, f- fighting the old fights too. <laughs> the, 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 one, the the one that I like though. Um, is it's called I Did Nothing Wrong, and you know, that's that struck me as having that kind of early Peter Gabriel quality about it, right? You know, when Peter Gabriel was really testing his metal on those first three yep. solo albums, all called Peter Gabriel, of course. Of course. Um, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, but that that period was you know where he really had something to prove. Yeah. I don't think he has much to prove anymore, yep. but <clears throat> but that song, um, uh did nothing wrong, I did nothing wrong. It just reminded me of that, and and I thought, oh, I like that, you know, I like that, you know, as a reference point for me. But, you know, over the long haul, um, I don't think I would listen to the album again, uh, and I probably haven't listened to New Model Army for 20 years until the other day.
0: Yep, yep, yep. There you Definitely go. Too. But they're still here, so <laughs> fighting the battle, whether you are or not. <laughs> Okay, now it's time to talk about The Smile. Smile is, of course, uh, a Radiohead offshoot band that uh, features the, uh, the ever-popular Tom York and Johnny Greenwood together, along with another guy named Tom Skinner, who is a drum and, drummer and percussionist. He's been in other bands that nobody's heard of called Sons of Kemet and Hello Skinny. Yes, I, I can Google with the best of them. <laughs> but, but it's a big deal. So the whole deal with Radiohead fans is it's a cult unto themselves. Like, uh, and I'm not part of that cult. Although I have a daughter who is. So uh, you know everybody hangs on every word that uh, Tom and Johnny and the rest of them do, and everybody you know is dying for the next OK Computer or Pablo Honey or whatever it is that uh, is your favorite Radiohead album. But in the meantime, we have the smile, which is. Uh, The album is called Wall of Eyes. It's the second album from The Smile. Quite a surprise because it came fairly quickly after their first one, which was called A Light for Attracting Attention, I think it was. Yeah, so apparently what happened was The Smile went on tour in 2022, and they had the habit of writing songs while they were on the road, so they had all these new songs that they were premiering, and so they decided to make a record out of it. And uh, the 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 Radiohead fans were hanging on to going to every show and noting that there was a new song, which apparently was written by Tom the day of. So I don't know how that works, but <laughs> they're very fresh. So anyway, uh, we, we have eight newish songs from the smile because a lot of the fans have heard of these songs in live recordings and releases that have come across. Um, and, I got to say, uh, having knowing that it was made that way doesn't seem to come. Uh, it still f- sounds like a cohesive record, from beginning to end. It has a consistent sound style. They have a guy named Sam Petz Davis who's their producer and mixer, who I don't know anything about, so we'll just skip over that <laughs> unless, unless you guys know have heard of him. But um, uh, let's get let's get started with listening to a track just to get into the vibe here. We'll listen to the opening track. It is called indeed Wall of Eyes. And there's a video, so you know that kind of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson did the video. So a little pretentiousness there, you got to say. But that's what it's all about, anyway. So let's check out Wall of Eyes, and then we'll come back and and talk more about the smile. Okay, that was Wall of Eyes. Apparently, uh, Radiohead fans will know that they had a song a long time ago called Wall of Ice, and so this became that. So, the sound is, there's some strummed guitars on the one we just heard, some nice percussion, and but it's all about Tom York's voice, and he's got a beautiful voice, and what he's singing sometimes is out in the ether somewhere, but it's a, it's a beautiful thing to hear. So if you ask me what the song was about, I wouldn't be able to tell you, and I've listened to it several times, but it doesn't bother me either because it just just sits there and sounds like it should. So um, and that's kind of the basis for the for the whole record. Um, throughout it, there's some strings which uh, Johnny Greenwood is uh, good at uh, arranging and. So they've they've got uh, an orchestra in there from time to time that's uh, recorded in London. I think they recorded part of the record at Abbey Road. And uh, speaking of Abbey Road, there is a classic um, uh, Beatle moment in the record, which I, me being an old guy, I'll always go for that. There's a song called Friend of a Friend, which starts out very quietly, just voice and a little bit of bass and some piano. Um, And apparently the topic of the song is the pandemic and COVID and how people, there was some, in in Italy, apparently the way the city is put together, people were communicating on their balconies and talking back and forth between them. So that was the inspiration for the song, but it builds up and it gets to a very, a day in a life moment where there's the buildup and the crescendo and the sudden boom. And I was like, oh, now I <laughs> i can relate to that so i uh, and i read the review in the guardian and they 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 referred to it as a beetle turn they didn't actually want to go and say what that meant but uh, listen to this and see if it reminds you of the beatles uh, this is friend of a friend
4: as our friends
0: That was Friend of a Friend. The new Smile album is finally out. Well, not finally. It's actually newer than or coming across sooner than anyone would expect. It's called Wall of Eyes. Uh, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood and company. Um, nobody knows what the status is of Radiohead these days. Uh, they're still waiting for a new record for them, and it's been a while. But I I think this sounds like their Johnny and Tom's main musical outlet at the moment, and which is fine. I mean, let them do it. They they've certainly done their duty and produced a good handful of classic albums on their own as Radiohead. And I'm sure the other guys in the band are doing fine as well. So I'm not too worried about them. So so it's all good. Um, But um, one of the new songs on uh, uh, overall, first of all, I will say, I think it's a great record. It's not something that appeals to me personally, because I'm more of a rock kind of guy and ballads and anything from Bob Dylan to Mata Hoople, you know, all that stuff. So this doesn't fit in with my, if if I was just playing something for my own pleasure, probably wouldn't be in my top 10. But having said that, it's definitely a classy and a a very good record. And uh, I think we'll leave with a tune called Bending Hectic. Now, this also is an eight-minute song, like your friend in... uh, what was the name of the band? Uh, Drowsy, Mr. Drowsy,
5: <laughs> which,
0: <laughs> which sounded not unlike this record as well. So this was, this is a track that was indeed recorded uh, at Abbey Road. Tom York does some of his best warbling on this thing. Uh, there's, but I like it because there's some good loud distorted guitars in there and uh, it kind of explodes at about the six minute mark. So you got to they they make you wait. And that's the Radiohead thing working there. You know, you gotta work for your pleasure with Radiohead and with, with smile. And but it does pay off in the end. So I'll I'll wrap this up with a bending hectic from the smile. Okay, that was new music from the smile wall of eyes Graham and Veronica and Andra do you have anything to add to it what do you think Graham
2: um, uh, unlike you I, I can sit and listen to this you know, I'm, I'm I'm not a, it's weirdly I'm not a big Radiohead fan per se but every now and again an album by them comes along which I liked um, in rainbows I thought was fantastic um, and, and but I don't know that I even heard their last one, which was eight years ago, A Moon-Shaped Pool. I probably did, but, you know, it didn't mean a lot. Um, but I've, I've always kind of followed their little offshoots. Um, Johnny Greenwood's, you know, obviously the soundtracks, The Phantom Thread and The Power of the Dog and things like that. Uh, and There Will Be Blood, too. I remember that one very well. Uh, and I did like Tom York's experimental stuff, the... Um, the Anima album, particularly, you know, and some of the uh, the Eraser, yeah, you know, maybe not so much. But uh, what I liked about this album is that, first of all, first of all as you say, it arrived rather quickly. And, and therefore, you know, if I was in the band, I'd be looking, you know, for another career because it doesn't sound like radio, it's going to get back together. Um, half, half the band are off doing something else and doing it really well, touring it too. Um, but I actually like Tom, Tom York's voice in this. It just had a rather more appealing, high, floaty sound. Uh, I'm, I'm writing about it for the listener, and I've said that, you know, warm is an adjective that's rarely been applied to Radiohead, but I think I would apply warm to this. Yeah, um, yeah I, I like that you picked up on friend of a friend. Um, because, uh, you know, you mentioned that Beatles quality. It actually arrives right at the beginning. I thought that sort of piano thing is very much a Paul McCartney, you know, piano part. Um, And that bending hectic, I understand that was, that debuted at the 2020 Montreux Jazz Festival. So, you know... (laughs) That's the kind of context that people first heard it in at a jazz festival. Uh, and that's, you know, it starts off as that woozy ballad and whatever. Um, so I, I actually very much like this album. Um, it would be, uh, yeah, you know, uh, let's loosely call it a Radiohead album. I mean, it's, yeah. it's as much a Radiohead album as that last Beatles single was a Beatles single, you know. It's like two living, two living guys, you know. Okay. okay. Um, uh, I, I would I would listen to this, you know, and, and um, yeah, and I and I'd be very happy listening to this. You know, I like to track Teleharmonic, um, particularly. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope I hope the smile keeps going. I've like both of their albums. Cool, Veronica. What do you think?
1: Well. Upon listening to the record, um, and if my ears are correct, I could hear a lot of the use of like the Moog synthesizer and like the Rhodes piano, two of which are some of my favorite instruments of all time. Um, and I find, <clears throat> you know, Tom's vocal delivery really quite beautiful and quite haunting, to be honest. Um, so, in theory, I did actually quite enjoy it. Um, to me, and again, Radiohead stands. Please don't come at me. To me, if, if you play if you played me a Radiohead record and this side by side, I would pr- say it's the same. You know what right. I mean? To me, it yep. sounds very very similar. It's like that post punky, like progressive kind of vibe. Um, but it, I enjoyed it better than the last album. That's for sure. Um, I went and I bought it actually. Oh, <laughs> Again, to show to, to show to Sam because this is this is his land. He's he's a rock boy. So. Right. Um, I will have to go back and listen to their full discography because I, I, you know, I really, right. really did enjoy it, yeah.
3: Yeah, when I listened to The Smile, The walls Have, wall have Eyes, I didn't realise that um, it was an incarnation of the guys from Radiohead, you know, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood doing something different. I think that when you get that far in music and you've got enough money behind you, you can do really experimental things that, that you don't have to necessarily worry about what your audience how your audience is going to receive it so uh it's always worth seeing what people doing when they can do what they like um i thought the walls have eyes the first track was almost reminiscent of neil young's harvest moon it was this kind of simple echoing almost country feel um bit of guitar body percussion but it was straightforward and simple with a few sound effects you know, this distorted electronic sounds and atonal ends was reminiscent of Admiral Drowsy as well, I thought that, you know, that that might be something going on with the zeitgeist. Um, teleharmonic had the experimental bending notes and a wooden block, you know, it's quite atmospheric, but one of my big asks with music is that you can dance to it, and, and I wouldn't suggest this was the case uh, with the smile. <laughs> um, but but I did find you might um, yourself, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or just freeze at some point. You know? it was almost like jazz gone electronica, like with a dab of psychedelia. There was kind of that that seventies German motoric Or it was like sort of hypnotic and dazing. Yeah, it's for those that are into it, they'll be really, really into it, and I think there'll be a certain certain portion of the audience that'll just go over their the, their heads, you know. Um, I can't see it getting a lot of radio play.
0: Very cool. All righty. And now we'll, we'll go over to Veronica because you're going to review, what is a new album by Sarah Gerose? That's it's correct. It's called Polaroid Lovers. Yes. And uh, it's one I'm excited about hearing about. So what do you, what do you got for us?
1: So um, it's the seventh studio album uh, from Sarah Gerose who – already has four Grammys so you know she knows what she's doing. Um, (laughs) It was produced by Daniel Tashin um, and in one of the press releases it says it's a creative uh, statement that sees Juro's exploring a new sonic territory Um, and it was very the album itself was quite collaborative which is is new to her so she she talks a lot about you know, not wanting to get lost in these extremely talented songwriters that you would bring in for, you know, a collaborative writing session. Because from what I understand, I don't think that she felt secure enough in her artistic integrity to do so. Um, but now she's included songwriters like um, Tashian, John Randall, Russin and Kelly and Natalie Hemby. And so in that regard, it's it's quite a new direction for her. Um and i think a lot of that change was almost necessary it came came about around the time of the pandemic so she was originally born in texas grew up in new york for a majority of her life and this is this is important context for the album and then she moved back to nashville so i'm not from the states but i can i always wish that if i could live anywhere it would be texas or nashville again i like horses <laughs> i'm a country girl so i love that so i think you know, when I hear country artists that have gone from, you know, growing up in Texas or Nashville or, or the sort of the southern states that then go through to pop, think people like I um, know uh, Carrie Underwood, Casey Musgraves, Taylor Swift. We just mentioned her. There's still, regardless of whether it's pop or or alternative, whatever. There's still that country roots sound that um, is so imminent, particularly within this record. So the first song itself is called Jealous Moon. Immediately country, sly guitars, um, four four rhythmic structures, your classic one, three, six chordal progression, um, a lot of use of the sly guitar as well. And I really liked the opening first uh, lyrical line which says rumors travel hearts unravel um, thought I knew the tr- the truth now I'm not so sure um, and it seems as though she's singing about how she's left you know a relationship it's a little bit unclear I'm assuming it's an ex-lover but I mean Every song is open to interpretation Um, and it seems like there is, you know, a level of resentment for leaving this particular relationship before the relationship's course was due. Um, She says, you know, here we are under a heartbreak heartbreak sky. I don't know why I flew away so soon. Um, And it's sort of the country inspired characteristics of the song. Um, make me sort of feel like I'm driving down a really long desert road on my way to see my horses um, you know <laughs> lost in this ambiguity and you know and of course my feelings as well and it's that classic slide guitar which excuse the pun it really does tug at my heartstrings um, and Sarah actually said that the melody actually started as, as a, a, a sort of a quiet melody on the ukulele and um, when she got into the studio it became something a lot uh, more powerful so um it's sort of about the parts of yourself which you try keep uh hidden to the surface and you know having no choice essentially but to ride the wave and that's something that i really felt through this album in itself was the sense of driving the sense of going somewhere the sense of like not being comfortable where you currently are and, and constantly having this sort of need to kind of move is um when the lights go out and this is sort of where the album name polaroid lovers come from um you and me fading into each other you know it's it's like this representation of how you know when you take a polaroid picture and it starts off as nothing and slowly it turns into this picture and then over time the picture itself kind of fades away so it's it's there for a long time but still within the context of of the space-time continuum, <laughs> it's it is it is fleeting, you know. Um, and she has these beautiful harmonies and high harmonics that sort of echo through this uh, chamber of sound. Which I had to listen to the track a couple of times. I couldn't tell whether the song was changing time signatures every uh, so between the verse and the chorus. But I think what she's done is she's actually just changed the accent of the the bass drum. So instead of coming in one two three four she then changes it to one two three four which kind of like gives this like um level of like discomfort and kind of listening to the song like you think you're kind of like in the song you think oh yeah I know where this is going oh wait no I don't which again kind of sort of is that great metaphor for a relationship you kind of have this like idea of where you want the relationship to go but you never really know Going into these feelings of driving, of going somewhere, of of never feeling, maybe necessarily happy with where you are. And I'm not talking about her as a person. I'm talking about the record itself. I'm sure she's very happy with where she is with her four Grammys. But you know this this <laughs> next track, the runaway, tra- tr- uh, runaway Train. It's like this really driving rhythm and this sort of like um, on the snare drum, the ch- 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 which is very you know reminiscent of like what a train would sound like going down the tracks Um, and it's sort of like the way I kind of likened it to was you know the power of a train is really massive obviously and sort of once you're on it you can't really just excuse me stop the train you have to kind of think about where are we going to stop where where are the, the places where I can kind of catch some respite catch some breath and you think the track is going to end on a really nice um melodic kind of cadence and it does, but it actually ends on a sus chord. So it's like that feeling of like, oh, we've actually not quite finished where we're supposed to be going. There's still more to come. So whether that's like a whether that's sort of representative of you know a relationship which does run it run its course but you're still kind of going somewhere whether that whether that's be to like an impending doom goodbye forever or whether that's that's into moving into friends or moving into more of an acquaintance type um, relationship um my favorite song on the record is actually the next one called dying ember um which we're going to listen to now Maybe I'm in my head,
5: but everything we said was wrong
1: Dying Ember from uh, Sarah DeRose's new album Polaroid Lovers. it, it- very much gave me like Miranda Lambert cross Carrie Underwood, almost the, and I had to double check when Sarah was born. So she was born in 91. So she came after Taylor Swift, but this song is very like debut Taylor Swift cross speak. Now I'm a stan. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, It's very like that mix mash. So it's very obvious to me who her uh, songwriting um, references are. I think when you hear the words dying ember, you immediately think like the dying of the dying heat of a form of flame. Like it's still warm, the embers are burning, but it's really clear that the relationship is on its way out. And she says, maybe I should have known. I could have made this right all along. So why are we still holding back? I don't want it to disappear. And it's a very croony delivery, a really beautiful, sweet, raw delivery. That d- And the thing that I do like about the album itself is there's not a lot of auto-tune. Which, as we know, in any sort of pop-ish record, even country now, um, just within the, the sonics of of writing an album, you often put auto, uh, auto-tune on something so that it fits within the the context of the other instruments, especially if they are if they are you know samples or or, or heavily produced kind of instruments. But I kind of like that there's not really a lot of that. You're sort of, you're able to hear her imperfections and her flaws in her vocal. That are not, that's not a negative thing either. I think it's it's really rare now that we have a record that kind of comes out um, that isn't ladled in a plethora of auto-tune and, and effects and that kind of stuff. It kind of just is. Um, and again, it's got that like driving Rhythmic structure to it. So this this idea of 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 going somewhere but never really um, being happy with where you are again is solidified through this particular song. I sort of I I sort of felt the album itself reminding me a little bit of a tunnel. Like from on one end of 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 the album, you've got this meaty chunk at the very start, and then it, it ends on quite a meaty chunk as well. But then the middle of it is like this this sort of like dark. Um, stripped back kind of like you're a little bit unsure a little bit maybe more emotionally driven than some of some of the other tracks of course they're all emotional she's a songwriter it's her job to feel stuff right but you know overall the album very dreamy very whimsical um you know it's it's very much an album perfect for today and in, in tamaki makoto it is pouring with rain first day we've had of rain in ages and it's just sort of one of those albums that you pop on in the background it's raining you feel like getting emotional yep i i really liked it i will be listening this will be one of those albums. if it's not on my top spotify played i'll be confused by the end of 2024
0: yeah i gotta admit it ticked all my boxes as well i i was enjoying it immense i i liked your last album and uh this one is it's it's more a more rocky album a i heard like on uh, runaway train i thought was probably my mm. favorite tom petty kind of meets yeah. roseanne cash kind of deal going on
1: there yeah you're right actually very Eddie much and
0: so.
2: Yeah, funny enough yeah runaway train was was my favorite it, it, but i think maybe that's because it was uh, recognizable yep. in you know in in, in many many ways yep. you know um I, I thought a lot of the album was recognisable. You know, I've, I've listened to a, a fair bit of um, country from certainly from Nashville as well. Um, but Runaway Train, I don't know, just kind of hooked me straight away. You know, mm-hmm. it was one of those. Uh, by and large, most train songs do, though, don't they? Because you know, as you said, Veronica, th- there's a momentum, there's a rhythm that just you, and you're riding that that rhythm. Um, you know, so yeah, th- all of that I, I really like.
3: Yeah, um, I, I did like Polaroid Lovers, but that, the opening strains sounded to me almost like GNR Sweet Child of Mine, but then segues quite quickly into clean vocals and was sort of a really country feel, you know. You can tap your feet to it. It's a simple country song, pastoral, you know, talking about the kind of concerns of the country. I could see this being performed in a bar with a, skull, a cow skull on the wall, you know, and... Um, and that singer-songwriter girl and guitar seems to be really having a moment right now. Um you know, looking at Lights Go Out is a very traditional country song. Runaway Train I thought oh, the song title's already taken, you know, like that's that that's a well-known song, but it was well produced, well sung, well played, well constructed. Um the the only thing I would add although you've got the soft, pure, sweet country, wistful kind of songs there was nothing unexpected or especially visionary about it to me. Like the, it was, if you're looking for some good, solid country, country music, then you can't go wrong here. But if you're looking to have, you know, to be blown away by something really interesting or different, then, then that isn't it. You know, it's a straightforward country album, but you know, like Mescal and Lime, it's like the sweet lullaby and voices floating and, you know, like it's, it's, it echoes of wide open spaces. You could, you could. It sounds Texan.
2: But I have to say thank you, Veronica, because I had never heard of this woman before. Um, for, for Grammys, yes, right? Four, four Grammys. <laughs> yes, four. Jesus, I mean, I can't keep up with these Grammys. No, no. You know, so many categories, and so many people are getting them, but. You know, I I had never heard of this woman before, um, but that's only because it's it's not an idiom that I would necessarily gravitate to, on on a regular basis. You know, I, I certainly hear, you know, I a fair bit of uh, country music, um, but m- maybe less from Nashville now than I used to. Mm. That's it, entirely possible. Um, but yeah, I, I liked everything you said about it, and and the way you explained a lot of it. Don't, can we just close with one more um can i ask you about is it Miss and line? Right
0: yep the that's end? the last track yeah <sighs>
1: So I did a bit of digging on the song, and it's actually a song that was inspired by a life-changing trip to... I read Ayahuasca, that's not how you pronounce it, but from what she was saying in some interviews, I have a feeling there could have been some, you know, alternate states of consciousness uh, that also yeah. inspired the yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she said... Ah, so she goes I'm a big cocktail drinker I love mixology and I love being from Texas we love margaritas (laughs) and tequila so I was intrigued by the whole mescal thing ahead of time and it really is that like it as I said before like the album is very much a tunnel right beefy at the start beefy at the end kind of a little bit more chill in the middle and yes it does end on a sort of beefier note but it's actually in my personal opinion the most uplifting song of Of the whole record because it's it's sort of beachy it's it reminds me of like being on holiday maybe a little bit of whatever you decide to put inside your body whatever you know um Mm. but and, and I really like that it's almost like and it's it's not again I don't mean this in a bad way I really enjoy the lazier kind of delivery, like, a yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm here, I'm on holiday, I'm having a good time. It's sort of like the the afterglow, right, of going through this, like, traumatic experience of a relationship ending, and now in this particular song, it, it seemed like she had really found, you know, solace and to where she finally managed, I guess she managed to get to her destination somewhere on the beach with a margarita. Sounds like a good destination to me. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it was a really, really nice end to the album. And because some of these songs did finish on those, really crunchy sus chords like there was some seventh crush uh, seventh sus chords in there right. which is so quite what is unusual a sus-, co-
0: sus chord that's
1: sustained a, sus- a, a sustained chord okay, so it's like yeah so you know it's it's typically two discordant notes played together with um a, a, a note on top of it that has a harmony with one or the other. But when you put them all together, it kind of sounds a little bit crunchy. So, you know, finishing the album on a major chord kind of, again, leaves that feeling of, we finally arrived somewhere. We're finally happy, you know? So I, and I hate that word. I hate saying, oh, a happy end, because it sort of seems like (laughs) such a menial word in in, in a review, but it really is. It was really like a genuine breath of fresh air. And and the, the lyrics themselves were quite like... Yeah, quite dreamy, quite tongue in cheek. And I, I just yeah, I I, re, I did I felt like it was a really cool end to the album.
0: Yeah, cool. Really you,
1: I didn't I wasn't expecting it to, to end so <laughs> lighthearted. I was expecting death, doom and despair. Yep. Um that's sort of again what I'm drawn to musically. Um <laughs> but it was a really nice kind of finish. Yeah, yeah.
0: I wrote Cool and Cruzy. <laughs> cool and Cruzy.
1: So I talk too much. No, I like no, that. No,
0: that. You can't talk too much. No, no, no! That's, that's good, good old Sarah Girod. That that's,
2: I'm, I'm always very happy with the idea of Miss Scotland Lime. I yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way that, to go wrong there.
0: Things. Oh, oh! Do we want to say anything? Quick word about the Foo Fighters.
2: Yeah, I want you to say something about the Foo Fighters because you know,
0: Okay, well, I saw the Foo Fighters last fr- uh, Saturday, where at uh, Mount Smart Stadium, I, I, at thirty-five thousand people, I may have been the only one who wasn't completely overwhelmed by the, the greatness of uh, Dave Grohl and company, but I thought they were kind of boring, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. I play Every rock cliche in the book was on display there that night. I mean, it was ridiculous. And they played for almost three hours, which was also uncalled for. (laughs) That's
1: a long time.
0: (laughs) I mean, if you're Bob Dylan, if you're Paul McCartney, you can get away with it. But I'm sorry. I kind of counted on my fingers how many really great, and I use the term loosely, Foo Fighters tunes are, and I got to four. And, you know, it's not like everything else is crap, but I don't want to listen to it for three hours. And But like I said, the guy sitting next to me, or standing, because he stood on his seat the whole three hours, whistling that horrible high-pitched thing that goes through your (laughs) head, and jumping up and down. And he was not alone, so I don't understand it. I think it's more nostalgia than anything else, people have this. This is the great rock band right now, the biggest rock band in the world. They want to be in the same place they are. Oh, so that Veronica, tell me, she's got the thumbs. I'm down. a
1: hater. I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> such a hater. You know what? I love David Grohl, and also his daughter is a phenomenal musician. As well. I mean, you would be right if your dad is Dave Grohl. Okay. Amazing. No hate to him. I can't stand the Foo Fighters. I'm so sorry. I have tried for years to get into them. All of my friends are massive fans. There is something really, oh, Foo Fighters stands are going to come with pitchforks at my door. It just seems really disingenuous to me. It feels like, as you've just said, Marty, like they're trying to be, you know, rock stars instead of just being rock stars. David Grohl, he has no problem. He just is. He just is who he is. You know, he's he emulates yeah. that like I'm a I'm a yeah. badass kind of thing. The rest of them, I don't yeah. know, man. Uh, cool that they brought out Jack Black though. I'm I'm gutted I did miss that. Um again for nostalgia just like, but I'm sorry, I'm a hater. <laughs> that
0: was ridiculous that jack black thing I, and he's doing an acdc song of course and he's doing somersaults on stage i was like oh my god
3: okay <laughs> well when it comes to dave grohl and the foo fighters i'm going to be hugely biased here because they are one of my favorite bands and um, i've been to see them a couple of times one time five days overdue pregnant uh i <laughs> my partner wasn't thrilled about me going and uh I, I had to agree not to go into the mosh pit, which was hard for me. <laughs> but uh, they, to me, they always put in their all, you know, I mean, Dave Grohl has notoriously played concerts with actual broken bones, and, and I think that the relationship here, like coming to New Zealand each time, given the amount of kit they've got and that probably doesn't make them a hell of a lot of money to come here, um, is important to me too. My, my both of my sisters went, and it would have they they've seen every single concert, and they they were raving about it. So I think the the true fans were gonna love it, no matter what. In any case, um, I think it we even it measured on the Richter scale once when they played here. It was so loud. It was right. and w- the concert I went to, they said it that the last time they'd played here was literally the loudest concert, the loudest audience they ever had, which is a source of pride for me, even today. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I can't. I wasn't there. but I, I love the Foo Fighters, and I love their commitment to a bit. You know, they they don't stop even when it's hiffing down with rain or when someone's both broken a bone or everything's gone sideways. And, unfortunately, I didn't give birth at the concert because I feel like uh, maybe that kid would have got a present from Grohl, but <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely go next time they play.
2: Graham, final thoughts. Um, okay, I, I I blow a bit hot and cold on Foo Fighters, you know, some of it's really great and some of it, I think, well, I've heard that one before, on, you yeah. know, two albums ago sort of thing, so um, yeah, I'm I'm a bit sort of indifferent to them. May I just say one one story though, I, I was actually yes. there when the Foo Fighters recorded live for the first time. Yeah, it was That's a... That's
1: really
2: cool. Yeah, it was a studio in London, and uh, I don't know why I went there, but um, I went there and I just stood in a corner and the Foo Fighters were playing live for the first time on wow, a you know, right. broadcast on radio. And I had a chat with Dave Grohl afterwards, and you know he he said, "Who are you?" That's so cool! I was Ryan, what? standing there when they came into the booth, and it was a tiny, tiny studio. They came into the booth, and I remember Pat Smears standing underneath the no smoking sign, and. Inhaling a cigarette and like two sucks. You like and I thought, like, man, you must get through the cigarettes. Anyway, um, Dave Grohl said, Well, you're very lucky, this is the first time we've we've ever played live together. And of course, the debut album was basically Dave Grohl on his own. Yeah, solo, were, yeah, it's a and solo the and they were starting yep. a tour and they just got in the studio to do this one broadcast for you know, I don't know, BBC or something like that. Um, that's my anecdote. <laughs> I love it.
0: Alrighty, yeah, I do remember seeing them opening for Sonic Youth at the the cement thing there. The Logan Campbell, oh, Logan, Logan Campbell.
2: All oh, right, okay.
0: And that was like '96,
2: I think it was. Mm-hmm.
0: So, but Sonic yeah, yeah, Youth yeah. were better, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> as they tend to be. Well, there but there you go. Yeah, Foo Fighters, they're the. the, the <laughs> I
2: don't know what I'm They know anyway. you live, Marty. They know <laughs> <do> you
1: live. <laughs> yeah, you better yeah. better lock up those doors, Marty, because um, those pitchforks right, are coming. Right. They're coming for me too, so don't worry.
0: <laughs> That's all right. We'll be fine. We'll be back next week with another edition of Sound Thinking. Thank you all, and rock on! Let's